0: Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. I'm sorry I don't have a Valentine's Day message. I just got a regular sermon and everything like that. I knew new preacher should probably have done that, but I thought about that this morning. I'm like, oh, too late. All right, so but I'm saying a happy Valentine's Day. Happy, happy birthday to my mother-in-law whose birthday is today, Debbie. <laughs> Pretty cool birthday. Cliff, you lucked out, man. You can get away with a birthday present and Valentine's Day present combined. And it's easier to remember, too. So you're like, you're getting to skip a gift because you can just combine them, right? Perfect. Perfect. All right. Um, Just a reminder, membership classes are getting ready to start up. We are trying to figure out when it is going to work. So if you're interested in a membership class, let me know. And um, I think that's about it. Uh, Would you stand with me? Let's pray for the service. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the ability to gather together, to fellowship together. And I pray that that's what this time would be partly about, is just connecting to each other touching base, seeing how each other are doing, uh, if there's any burdens that we can help out with. Lord, I pray that you would give us the freedom to share those with each other, and that we'd uh, develop some good friendships in here, uh, and that we'd be family to each other. Lord, I pray for this time, too, that you would speak through your word, that you would speak through the music, that you would soften our hearts and open our eyes and ears to what you have for us. Lord, we give you right of way. This is your service. This is all about you. Help us to direct our attention to you, Lord, and to give you all the praise and honor that you deserve. Father, for you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Lord, and we submit that to you. Father, we love you, and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: The King of glory, the King above all kings Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder And leaves us breathless in awe and wonder The King of glory, the King above all kings This is amazing grace Back into order Who makes the orphan A son and daughter The King of glory The King of glory Who rules the nations With truth and justice Shines like the sun In all of its brilliance The King of glory The King above all kings This is amazing grace Amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me So Jesus Christ, my living hope, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Just love Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. The precious blood of Jesus Christ, O oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ.
0: Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 6. Would you stand with me in honor of God's Word? Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region. All right, I'm going to butcher some names. Don't judge me. Uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the Word in the province of Asia... From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight to uh, Samothrace and the next day to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of them listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, Come and stay at my house, and she persuaded us. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your word, Lord. Nobody's here to hear what uh, this or me, what I have to say, Lord. We just want to hear what you have to say. Lord, speak through your word in in a mighty way. Lord, soften our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears to the message like you did, Lydia. Let it sink in, Lord. Speak loud and clear. Call us to your vision. Call us to your purposes. Use us to build the kingdom Father, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So last week we talked about um, having to move from routine to risk, right? It is easy to get into those ruts in life, and before you know it, you're just living your life, and you're living for the weekend, and nothing really else matters, and you miss out on those opportunities, those God-ordained moments to build the kingdom in some way. We all know how easy it is to just get caught up in the flow, right? But God calls us to move out of the routine to look for those moments and those opportunities and to risk, risk our pride, risk our money, risk our health, whatever it is to risk, cause us to that so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit and partner with the Holy Spirit to reach people for Christ. So I pray that you are seeking that during this time that not just during this time, but any time, that you are are looking for those God-ordained moments to be a partner with God and reach people. And today I want to continue that message. Today I want to look at another move that we need to make, and that is the move from success to significance. From success to significance. All too often in America... There is a striving that place that is all about success. Success is not bad, right? It's not something bad. I know Ethan plays basketball, right? And I want him to strive. I want him to work hard. I don't want him to just show up and and half-butt it for practice and then go out there and do mediocre. I want him to do his best. I want him to strive for success to strive to do the best that he can but I don't want that to be the primary focus of his life right I don't want his life to be all about that one thing that singular focus of being successful climbing the ladder is not bad right climbing the ladder is not bad unless you find out that the ladder is leaning up against the wrong wall right Climbing the ladder can be dangerous. The higher we go, here's where the danger comes in. The more that our identity gets tied into that that position that we're at, right? The higher that we go, the more our value gets tied into that position that we're at. The more that our security gets tied into that. And what happens when you lose that position? A lot of times our world's Come crashing down. So, success, position cannot be the number one focus. We should, we should strive to be successful. We should strive to work hard in everything that we do, right? But we can't make that our, what we value ourselves for. We can't make that what we value other people for. We can't put all our hope and our trust in that position. I, I read a study that said one in five people commit suicide due to unemployment issues right? Climbing the ladder cannot be our source of hope, cannot be everything that we're about. There is a better focus for your life, right? There is a better focus. There is a better way to live, and that is to focus in on significance. Significance. When you live a life focused in on significance, all right, you're not focused on you, but instead you're focused in on other people. Sometimes if you let success be the number one focus of your life, success will just focus in on you, your kingdom, and building that. That's what you'll be about building. But significance focuses us us on other people. All right, so back to your Bibles, Acts chapter 16. I want to look at an example of somebody whose life was significant for the kingdom of God, and that person is Paul. Paul is probably and arguably one of the most significant people besides Jesus Christ in the Bible. And I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say that billions have come to faith because of what God did through him and his work, right, and those with him. So it's easy to say that Paul had a life of significance. Well, what about success? All right, Paul was focused in on significance over success. And he also shows us that you don't have to be successful to be significant. All right, so Acts 16 starts off, Paul and his companions traveled. Now, the word companions, this is referring to Silas and Timothy. And it's interesting because Paul is traveling with a new group, of companions to where he was in the previous chapter because he had a falling out with the previous person that he traveled with. If you look back in Acts 14, you see Paul is traveling with a guy named Barnabas. And we've talked about Barnabas just recently. These two men were the ultimate team though. The ultimate doer. The Bible talks about this one time that they were in this town and and preaching and, and healing people. And the people actually thought that they were gods. They thought that they were the gods Hermes and Zeus come into the flesh. You I mean you could not think of a better duo than Barnabas and Paul. But by the end of chapter 15, they have a sharp disagreement and they part ways, never to be put back together. Not exactly how we would define success, right? The part about Paul and Barnabas being referred to as Zeus and Hermes. Um, comes when they go to this town called Lystra. And while they're in Lystra, Paul is preaching and he sees a man that is crippled. And he notices that this man has faith. Faith to be healed. So he says, stand up. And the man is healed. And the people are... are, That's why they think that these guys are gods. Right? And they're they're praising them. They want to do sacrifices for them. And Paul and, and Barnabas are like, no, don't do that. You know, that's not what it's about. But not too much longer... All right, that same crowd takes Paul, stones him, drags him out of the city, and leaves him for dead. Not exactly the picture of success, right? Would anybody consider getting stoned and left for dead successful, being successful? I know, right? All right. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the Word in the province of Asia. All right, So that's interesting, right? So Paul and his companions must have wanted to travel to Asia to preach. Seems like a pretty good idea. But the Holy Spirit keeps them from doing that. Uh, uh, Another failure, we could say. Paul knew he was supposed to preach and, and teach, and he had these plans on where he should go, right? The problem was, and maybe this has happened to you, because I know it's happened to me, Paul's plans, which he thought were good, were not God's plans. And so God stopped him. In other words, he hit a wall. Have you ever thought you were doing something that you should be doing and it seems like you're, you hit a wall with that? I have. Verse 7, When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So let me recap, all Right. Paul starts off doing awesome, got the perfect tag team duo. Then he gets stoned, though, and left for dead, right? Then he has a falling out, and this awesome tag team breaks up. Then God keeps him from preaching in Asia. And then the Spirit of Jesus prevents him from going to Bithynia. If you're measuring success, not exactly the most successful start, right, to here. Being stopped by the Spirit of Jesus is not a good sign. When Jesus himself is saying no to your plans, that's not good, right? To be honest, though, this is kind of reassuring to me. Paul's life of significance did not always look successful. And let's just pop this bubble right here because sometimes that's the message of American Christianity. American Christianity says today that if you want a life of significance, you are going to be successful right? And that is not always the case. Your business is not always going to be Chick-fil-A, right? Your marriage will not always be perfect. Your kids will not always be perfect. You will never, you might not have customers lined up across, you know, the parking lot. I, and I don't know, I tell you what, every time I've been to Chick-fil-A, it is amazing how fast they get through those cars, right? I go to Taco Bell and I'm there for like an hour, especially Willard. That's horrible. It's bad, right? And I can say that. I used to work at Taco Bell, so I know Taco Bell. But Chick-fil-A, they get you through there. I don't know how they do it. It must be the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But (laughs) in real Christianity, not American Christianity, right, sometimes you do the right thing and you don't get any success. You don't get any credit. Sometimes you do the right thing and it costs you. Right? Maybe it costs you your business. Maybe it costs you a relationship. Sometimes you hit brick walls. Sometimes you think you have the perfect God-ordained plan, but God says no and you're left scratching your head. Right? I was sure this is what God wanted me to do. Here's what we need to do, though, when we have those situations come up in our life. We have to get to the place where we submit ourselves to God's no. And we say, I don't get it, but I'll trust you. Right? I'm not going to fight it. When we do that, we trade our good for God's better. It may not look like success, but that's okay. Let's keep going. Verse 8, So they passed by Mysia. Remember, that's, that was Paul's plan. And he got shut down and went down to Troas. So question, what do you do when you hit the brick wall? What do you do when God says no one or two times? A lot of times it's tempting to circle back to where we know we can win. Right? Paul could have circled back to Turkey, to the previous churches. He could have circled back to where he didn't get stoned. Where people actually liked his sermons, liked his messages, and just played it safe, played it easy. He could have gone back to something familiar, something comfortable. That's what happens though when you're driven by success. Because it's all about winning. But that's not what Paul did. He didn't head back to Turkey where people like his sermons. He didn't try to go to the places where he thought he should go and, and think that he knew better than God That's not what he does, right? A key part to living a life of significance opposed to a life of success is being humble. You have to be humble. You have to let your pride get out of the way, right? It's not about looking good. It's not about winning. Some of you need to hear this. It's not about being right on Facebook, right? It's about building the kingdom. So Paul heads to Troas. Troas is on the edge of the continent where the gospel has been, right? But across the Aegean Sea is Macedonia where the gospel has never been. And I think we see what God is doing there, right? There are no converts over there. We see God's hand guiding Paul to Troas, preparing to call him to a new Land, And then we see in verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision. Notice he didn't have a dream. He had a vision during the night. That means he's not sleeping. And I don't know about you, but this has been a season for me where there have been a lot of sleepless nights. Something was keeping Paul up. And while it's not the greatest thing to be kept up at night, often the times, those are the times where God speaks to us. Or lays something on our hearts. Like I said, He's done a lot of that this season. Some of you have told me that you've had sleepless nights yourselves. Pray during those times. Read the word during those times. Allow God to speak to you during those times. Maybe He is trying to impress something on your heart. I have a feeling that Paul was up at night because he was confused about what God was doing. Right? I'm trying to do this, Lord. I'm trying to preach for you. Lord, but you keep stopping me. You keep telling me no. And have you ever felt like that? Just wondering what God was doing? Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, what in the world are you doing, Lord? Have you ever been in a situation where you say, man, I just need you to show me what you want. Because what I'm trying is not working out, right? I'm hitting the brick walls. I just don't get it. Verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, notice God gave Paul a vision of a person, of one person, not a crowd, not a group, not a continent. Just a person. And we talked about this last week, right? Because we are to be going about going after the one. The one, right? Success focuses in on the crowd. Significance focuses in on the one. If I were to encourage you to go after the crowd, you may see that or think that, and that might be a pretty daunting task. How do I reach... The crowd. But if I remind you, just go after the one, that's something that each and every one of us can do. Right? My friends, that is, each and, that is something that each of us are called to do. To go after the one. That's how the kingdom grows. A lot of people wishes, wish their church would grow if they could just have the right pastor, the right programs, a nice building. That's not how a church grows. It happens when each and every one of us who is a follower of Christ goes after the one. That's how this church will grow. Growth happens when you intertwine your lives with people. When you come alongside someone. When you help carry their burden. When you get to know them where you find what you have in common with them. Where you serve them. Where you love them. Where you sacrifice for them. That's when the church grows. Who are you doing that right now with? Who are you doing that right now with? If you're a follower of Christ and you can't think of somebody... ah. Uh, Pray that God gives you somebody. Pray that God gives you an opportunity to serve somebody, to love somebody, to go after somebody. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. Right? Pray for that opportunity. I'm here to call you for that. Call you to that. Are you willing to sacrifice for that? I imagine after this vision... The no's made sense to Paul, right? Oh, I see why you didn't want me to go there to that place or that place. You wanted me to take the gospel to a place where no one had ever taken it, right? If God says no to you, please wait. Please be patient. I know it's hard. I don't like to wait. I'm not very patient. You can ask my wife, right? more you can ask my kids, right? But submit yourself to his will and trust that. Trust his timing. Trust his reasons, right? Verse 10 after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Notice right away, they're ready to leave. They're ready to go, right? Also, notice what is the focus? What's the focus? They're they're getting ready to preach the Gospel to them. What's the focus? Them. Whoever that they meet over there. With success, the focus is you. Success is a dream for yourself. Significance is a dream focused in on someone else. The church, us, we have to have a heart for people. Have to. A heart that says we'll go after people. We'll sacrifice for people. And I tell you, this is my prayer for this season for us. This is what I hope we all get and go after. Right? And I failed to mention something, and it's an important part. Notice, it's not Paul by himself. Right? He's got a companion. This time he's got two companions. He's got a crew. It's easier to go when you've got a good friend right next to you going with you. Get that person. Find somebody like that who will go with you, who will stand beside you. I pray this for my kids. That is one of the most important things, I think, for our kids, to have somebody that will encourage them to do the right thing, to encourage them towards God. Jesus says if you want to find your life, you gotta lose it. When God's calling you to lay down your life and lose your life, if your best friend is trying to save their life and, and get everything, it's not going to encourage you in the right direction. If you've got somebody right next to you though is willing to lose their life too, and they're encouraging you, hey, let's do this. Let's sacrifice, let's serve. You're going to be encouraged to do that, and it's going to be a whole lot easier. That's why Jesus sent the disciples out in twos. You need that battle royale duo partner, right? I, like, I don't like playing solo in those battle royale games. I, I prefer to play in the duos and the trios because I know there is going to be somebody there to pick me up. All right? and that probably doesn't make sense to, to a lot of you in here. Just trust me. A few people in here that get that, all right? There we go, amen. I can be more aggressive though when I know I got somebody that has my back that is willing to pick me up, right? Verse 11, From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the the women who had gathered there. Usually when Paul went into a new city, he went straight for the synagogue. Right? That is like the church there. But he shows up in this huge city and there is no synagogue there. In order to have a synagogue, you would have to have 12 Jewish men there to start that. And apparently this great city does not have that. Now, if you didn't go to a synagogue, then you would go to a place where people would pray and to get together. And Jewish custom thought of rivers and streams to be a good symbol of purity. So that they would go to those places and that's usually where they would gather if there was no synagogue. That's why Paul goes to this place. Now I'm sure Paul was expecting to find a man or some men there. Instead, they find a group of women. Paul had a vision of a man, right? And it's interesting you don't see a man in this account. But this is how Jesus was, right? Jesus was always surprising people and breaking tradition especially with the role that he saw women in right the first person to carry the good news was a woman right a woman who found the tomb was empty and brought that news back the good news jesus elevated women verse 14 one of those listen, listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So here we meet Lydia. Lydia. Lydia is a dealer in purple cloth, so she is a businesswoman. She's also a, probably a pretty important businesswoman because she deals in purple cloth. Purple was a color of royalty at this time. It was very expensive. You couldn't just go out and get something purple. It's very expensive because it literally took thousands of shellfish, ounce by ounce, to get the color purple. Tiny little ounces so she could sell this purple cloth for quite a bit of money the people that she would have been dealing with like i said were royalty were high in status which meant that she probably had a lot of influence she probably was well connected and important knew the right people because those would have been her clients notice god just happens to arrange a meeting with an important well-connected leader in the city not just that though right but she's also a worshiper of god well what does that mean she wasn't a jew right she was a greek but she believed in the principles of god she believed in the things about god she just didn't know who jesus was she was almost there and we see this in other places in the Bible where there are people who, who aren't Jewish, who don't know about God's laws and customs, but the Bible says that they worship God. How can that happen? God reveals Himself to people. God reveals Himself to people. Not only does God set all this up, but the Lord opens her heart to respond to Paul's message We talked about this last week, but it's important to remember. It is so important to remember this. But we partner with the Holy Spirit. We partner with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is preparing people's hearts. And He does all the heavy lifting. He just is looking for people that are willing to be used by God to fill in the blanks, to go up and talk to people and tell people their story, their witness, what they know in these God-ordained meetings. My friend, isn't the thing that stops you from doing that, I don't know what to say, I'm scared. You have to know though, the Holy Spirit is preparing somebody's heart, is speaking to that person. He will guide that conversation. We just have to be available. The word open here, referring to our heart, is the Greek word diagono. Diagono is like when we have that aha moment. That moment that it all clicks, that it all makes sense, that everything lines up. Right? If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's that moment that you realize, man, I am a sinner. And there is no hope for me except for Jesus Christ. And you cry out to Him, Lord, forgive me. Lord, save me. I cannot save myself. And you put your trust in Him. That's that aha moment that I hope you've had in your life. This encounter that we see right here is what it looks like to live a life of significance. There is nothing greater than being used by God to help somebody come to know their Lord and Savior. There is nothing better that you will experience in their life, in your life. There is nothing that compares to this. Go after it. And look at the result. Lydia's whole family came to Christ and was baptized. How do you live a life of significance? Here it is. Living a life of significance is all about being humble. Right? Not in, letting your pride get in the way. Submitting yourself to God's will. Okay? I won't go there. I don't understand it. But I'll trust you. Right? And then showing up to the opportunities that are placed right before you. Who are the people that God brings in your heart and brings into your life that you can reach out to, that you can care for, that you can just be a friend to you and help out? And hopefully that turns into discipleship and mentorship as you intertwine your lives with those people. God will put that Right in front of you, if you allow him to. I'm sure Paul thought that his first tag team partner, Barnabas, right, was going to be where it was at. Man, people thought they were gods, right? And I'm sure Paul thought that it was going to be in Bithynia or Mysia, but God was like, no. I'm sure Paul thought he was going to find a man, and God said, no, I have another plan for you. I'm going to send you to a new continent and we're going to start it all with this woman. Get this, all right? Some of you sitting out here, it might appear that you're not doing so good in the success department. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you haven't made it far up the ladder. Maybe you've fallen down the ladder quite a few times, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can still live a life of significance which is better, way better than a life of success. Strive for success, yeah, but don't make it your ultimate focus. Allow God to use you wherever you're at with whatever story that you have. Submit it to His will. And reach out to the people that are right in front of you. Maybe your story doesn't look the best. Paul's just been shut down four times. Relationship wrecked. Stoned left for dead. Brick wall, brick wall. But he hears hears from God and God calls him to a new continent. He goes after the opportunity that's placed right in front of him. He goes after the woman that is placed right in front of him. What's the result? A woman comes to know Christ. A family comes to know Christ through her influence, right? It doesn't stop there. God uses Paul's gift of preaching and Lydia's gift of influence and together, shoulder to the shoulder, they launched the very first church in Europe. This church was powerful This church was beautiful. And it was one of the premier churches in this land. And it got behind and financed the rest of Paul's ministry journeys. Missionary journeys. And a continent comes to know Christ. Following God's lead. Going after the one can lead to a continent. What a privilege that each and every one of us have. Even if it just leads to one life being set free from all the bondage and crap of this world. Isn't it worth it? But what if that one life leads to a family? What if that family leads to a group? What if that group leads to a town? Lord, use us I don't want to be over dramatic, but God can use you to build the kingdom if, if we will go after the people that he puts right in front of us. Humbly submit yourself to God's will. Amen? Please stand. Here's the question. Here's the question, are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to follow His lead? Are you willing to lay down your wants? Are you willing to go out on a Saturday? Are you willing to strike up a conversation with somebody at a gas station? Are you willing to look for those opportunities? Are you willing to quiet your life enough so that you hear the still small voice, to hear the whisper of God? Are you willing? There's people in this church that need their lives intertwined with if we'll allow that, if we'll go after that. There's people in our community that need their lives intertwined with. God gave me an opportunity to meet somebody here recently. And I got to spend some time with him and talk to him. And I'm praying for this young man. And I don't think this young man feels comfortable in a church because of his past. That's not true, right? You're welcome here. And I'm, yesterday he texted me and he's like, can you pick me up from church I was like, heck yeah, that would be awesome, right? And I know if he just came in here, I know you guys would love all over him. But he's not there yet. He's not there yet. Can we be reminded that this building isn't where it's at? It's our opportunities out there. There are people who will not come into this building because of whatever reason, whatever thoughts that they have. But we all have opportunities out there to reach people, to love on people, to serve people, to care for people. The goal is not to get people to church. The goal is to introduce people to their Savior, to their Lord, and to intertwine our lives with them and help them in their walk. So my question again is, are you willing to be that person, to do that with some person? I don't care what your past is. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care about that stuff, man. That, that's why I wear jeans. I don't care about looks. I don't care about success. Right? Who cares? I don't want, I don't want that to be the vision for a church. I want to be the vision for a church that we love people, that it doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter what you smell like, Right? Lord, give us opportunities, right? Give us opportunities. That's the most exciting thing that can happen in life is having an opportunity. Uh, Where do you work? Who do you have around you at work that you can reach out to? Look for those opportunities and go after them. Amen? Will you do that? That's a question that you need to answer to God. Will you do that? Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your example. Lord, help us to get off the the trap of success, the trap that says we have to have more. We have to compete. We have to keep up with everybody. Lord, I'm not saying don't make us successful. Don't use success. Don't let us strive for success. Lord, give us opportunities to use the success to, to reach people for you. But help us not to put all our hope our worth, our trust in that success. Help our focus instead to be about reaching other people. Lord, I'm, trying to, I'm tired of trying to be a successful parent. Lord, help me to be a significant parent who teaches my kids, who shows my kids what it means to follow you if it looks successful or if it doesn't look successful. Help me to do the right thing. Help us all to do the right thing for our kids. Help us to lead them in the right direction, a direction that focuses in on others, who focuses in on building your kingdom. Lord, give us opportunities. Help us to recognize those opportunities. Help us to be looking for them. Lord, I pray if there's somebody in here right now that does not know you, that they would realize that they are a sinner, that there is no hope for them outside of You. Father, I pray that they would believe that You died for them, that You loved them enough to come to this earth to make a way so that their relationship with You could be restored. Father, I pray that they'd be like the thief that was nailed to the cross right beside You who just said, Save me. Remember me, Lord. Help us to have that that, that attitude, Lord. And Father, help us to confess it to those that we meet. Help us to share that, that good news that is given to us to those that come into our path. Help us be willing to sacrifice for them, to serve them, to put their needs ahead of our own. Lord, give us those opportunities. Father, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.